You may be seated. Let's pray together. We come to the Word of God. Father, we're recognizing that 2022 presents challenge and presents hope, but most importantly, it presents a risen Christ who has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that we have the book of God, that it's been sealed and preserved for us, that we have the truth in the book. Help us to stand upon the line of the scriptures in 2022 and not only understand the words of this book, but to be given faith to trust, to trust your word and to walk together. As we come now to the word of God, Holy Spirit, we know that you must accompany this word preached, that you must come, and, and I pray that this wouldn't come in word only, but in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with abundant conviction. Father, we're entering into the book of Daniel. Many of us haven't heard the series, so uh, help us to still, even though we're not up to speed, to get some great encouragement from your word, and most importantly, set our eyes upon Jesus this morning, and prepare our hearts uh, to fellowship with him in a special way in our time of the Lord's table to come. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn, if you can, to the book of Daniel. It's tough to find. I should have had the page number for you, but I don't have that. But I have good news for you. It's in the bulletin. So if you have a bulletin insert, the passage that we will be using is in the bulletin insert. So, Take your bulletin out, turn to Daniel chapter 12, the last chapter of the book of Daniel. We have been going through the book of Daniel Wednesday nights here for a while now, and many of you probably haven't even heard a sermon in the book of Daniel yet, and here I am bringing the last sermon in the series on a Sunday morning, and I think you'll see why hopefully, by the end of the message. Um, it is difficult to jump in, so I'm just going to basically tell you where, where, uh, where we're at in the book, and then I think you'll be greatly encouraged from it. I will be uh, continuing in the book of Luke in 2022, but also starting uh, the book of Deuteronomy in 2022 and kind of alternating, um, I think, meshing um, the book of Deuteronomy and Luke together and doing uh, both of those together. So we'll have both Old Testament and New Testament on Sunday mornings, which I think will be really good for us to tie the scriptures together in the life of the church. So we get a taste of this Old Testament book this morning. Daniel chapter 12, our text is verses 4 through 13. The setting of Daniel chapter 12 is the time of the end. It's the time of the end. Chapter 12 is set during Daniel's 70th week, and Daniel chapter 12 is going to be in the last seven years before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a time called the tribulation. The last three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week is called the great tribulation, which is the focus point of the first three verses of the book of Daniel. We know that we're at the time of the end because starting at verse 36 of Daniel chapter 11, we have the Antichrist which, who has arisen and is speaking monstrous things about the God of God. And verse 1, now at that time, Michael, now at that time, verse 1 begins, I believe, at the midpoint of the 70th week. So after three and a half years, when the beast or the Antichrist arises and is bringing devastation upon the world, especially the nation of Israel, but there is hope in the midst of darkness. You say, well, you've got to prove all that to, to me. And I say, no, I'm just going to say it and tease you. If you want to hear how I landed about where we're at in the book, then you'll have to listen to all of the sermons to get up to speed. You say, I got questions. I don't believe your view. That's okay. I think you'll think that is the point 
of this passage, and I think we'll be greatly encouraged as we as we look at that. And I do encourage you. I want. I would love everybody to listen to all the sermons in the Book of Daniel in 2022 while you're exercising. Download them and listen to those, and we'll begin good discussions uh, about these things. Okay, so look at verse one of Daniel chapter 12. Now, at that time, at that time, so. Th- I think this is the midpoint of the tribulation. At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, sons of your people, the sons of Daniel's people, people of Israel, who stands guards over the sons of your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. We know it's the end because many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's the end. And that's the last prophecy. The angel ends the prophecies in the book of Daniel at that point. And it's just packed with hope. There's four causes even of hope in that in in the darkest time of earth's history. There are four reasons for hope packed into that verse. One is that The nation of Israel has an angel, an archangel named Michael who arises during that time. And there's a great war and there's spiritual warfare that is going to be behind the scenes in the nations. And Michael the archangel will rise, a rival to the Antichrist. That's a reason for great hope, number one. Number two reason was that there's a great rescue during the time of that tribulation. There's a rescue, a salvation, I think, is poured out upon the earth. And even the people of God who have rejected him, the people of Israel, will be rescued as a nation, everyone who was found written in the book. And they will look upon him and whom they pierced and will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will be rescued. A rival will arise. There will be a great rescue. And there's a resurrection, right? There's a resurrection that's prophesied prophesied here. Many of those who sleep in the dust will awake, those to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever, there's a rival There's a rescue, there's a resurrection, and there is eternal reward and brightness. And the angel is saying, see, Daniel, God will win. And Daniel says, and you are saying too, I don't get it. I don't understand prophecy. I have too many questions. What do I do? And that takes us then to our passage this morning. Since we didn't have an official scripture reading, and since I have a long sermon, why don't you stand for the reading of God's word and stretch. Daniel chapter 12, picking up our passage, the last sermon in the book of Daniel, the last words in the book of Daniel. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be my water, so Jody, maybe you could get me a beverage. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Thank you. But what do we do with all of this? That's what he says. That's where he goes. But as for you, as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others 
were standing, two other angels, the angel who prophesied is done speaking, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on that bank of the river. And one, one of those angels, said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? I heard the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, as he raised his right hand and his left towards heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. As for me, that's Daniel again, right? As for me, I heard but could not understand. I get it. As for me, I heard but I could not understand. So I said, my Lord, he's talking to the man dressed in linen, my Lord, What will be the outcome of these events? A little bit of a different question than the angel, but similar. What will be the outcome of these events? And he said, go your way, Daniel. Go your way. For these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many, but I'll give you an answer anyway. And it's the same answer as that he gave to the angel with a little more detail on the purpose. Many will be purged and purified and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight will understand. Tell you a little bit more now about the timing. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, And the abomination of desolation is set up. There will be 1,290 days. How blessed. Back to the Beatitudes. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, go your way to the end. As for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Okay, you can be seated. As for you, verse 4. As for you, verse 13. As for you, go your way to the end. But I have lots of questions I don't understand. Go your way, Daniel. Go your way, Jeff. Go your way, Jim. As for you, go your way until the end. We must respond individually to biblical prophecy. We are confused. We have lots of questions. But it impacts us. We have concerns. We have questions. We need insight. Daniel's 90 years of age. He's been in exile for decades and decades. What do I do as I move towards the end of my life to serve the Lord and to serve my people? Be faithful, Daniel. Go your way. And I think we have lots of questions heading into 2022. Lots of concerns and lots of questions. We don't know what's going to happen. Go your way until the end is the word that I think the Spirit wants to tell us in this passage. Whatever your view of eschatology is, go your way until the end. So we're going to look at this passage from Daniel chapter 12, 4 through 13 under three headings. Three headings. Number one, let's look at the command to conceal. 
Verse 4, but as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. There's a command then after the prophecy is over, Daniel is commanded to conceal the words and seal up the book. You see, Daniel wrote down the words of this prophecy, even though the liberal scholars say he couldn't have. He did. He wrote the book, and he is commanded to, to finish this book and to seal it up until the end of time. The end of time in this context refers to the very end, right before the second coming of Christ. And the idea of sealing up the book in the ancient Near East is, is when you seal an important document, it means that you put a stamp on it, a seal on it. It means the text, in a sense, the idea is this. It's not to be tampered with. The text is not to be changed. It's finished. Seal it up. It doesn't mean that you can't look at it. It doesn't mean that it has secret information you can't study until the end. It means it's to be preserved. It's to be preserved without change because those who live in the end will greatly need the revelation of God. They will greatly need it. And so Daniel is commanded here, as one has said, quotes, to protect and preserve this inspired writing. I find it interesting that the other book of the Bible, where, where you're warned not to add to the words or take away from the words of the book, and it talks about sealing up, and it talks about a blessing for understanding it, an insight into it is the book of closely related, Revelation closely related to the book of Daniel. Revelation 22, verse 18, testified to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away his part in the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. And it's important that we have the text, that we have the book of God. Why is it important? Because many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Now that seems like very difficult to understand, but I think that's a very positive verse. It's the knowledge in the Hebrew text. It's the knowledge of the scriptures here. Many are going to go back and forth and knowledge will increase in the end. This is the insight, I think, of the righteous in verse 3. This is the understanding of the purified ones in verse 10. Those who have insight will understand. Because the idea of going to and fro is not some sort of internet thing of bad press. This is not an evil thing. This is a good thing in verse 4. It, the idea here is to go here and there, as one Hebrew scholar said, in search of a person or, or, or of a being. It's an intense searching, and the purpose is to increase knowledge. A knowledge in the context of the sealed up, right, word of God and the prophecies of God. And the knowledge will increase. And wisdom will be given. Get this book finished, Daniel. Seal it up. Everything you can do to preserve this writing. And God is sovereign in it. And can you believe it? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, we have Daniel. We have Revelation. We have the book of God. It has been sealed up. And we are commanded like Daniel. Let's apply this for a second. Daniel was commanded. We are commanded too. What do I mean? Well, do you have questions about end times theology? Raise your hand. What are we to do? Well, I'll tell you what we do. Don't add or take away from this book. Let's start there. Don't add or take away from this book. Let's start there. Okay? We do this in many ways. We add, here's the line of Scripture. We go above the line and below the line. May 2022 be the year where we pray, continue, Lord, to put me on the line of Scripture. We add sometimes the newspaper to the inspired Scripture. We disregard sometimes 
the clear teaching of the prophecies of the inspired Scripture. Taking away, I think, from the Scripture. We engage in speculation instead of leaving the mysteries to the Lord. Go your way, Daniel. Don't worry about it. God's got it. Sometimes, on the other hand, we say it's all going to pan out in the end. We're pan-millennialists, and so we disregard one-third of the Bible that is prophecy because it doesn't seem practical and no one seems to get it anyways. There's all kinds of ways that we are commanded here to stay in the book of God and to stand upon the book of God. What other book in the Bible other than the book of Revelation expressly says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heeds the things which are written in it, for the time is near. We are commanded to, in this verse, we leave the mystery to God, we leave speculation to the philosophers, but we study the Word of God faithfully. We discuss it. We feed on it. We understand it. And the study of, of the prophetic books of the Bible will lead to blessing. It leads to hope. It leads to holiness and faithfulness. You say we differ in so many things in eschatology, even maybe within this church from time to time. Okay, what are we to do? Get into the Word. It's the Word of God. It's for our blessing. Do Orthodox Christians really have as many differences in eschatology? I don't think, I don't think you reflect a little bit on what we have in common. Let me tell you this. We all believe in the bodily resurrection, right, that we will rise bodily. Amen? We believe in the coming judgment. Amen? We believe in the kingdom and its final and full manifestation, the new heavens and the new earth. Amen? We believe in the bodily coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't, but study with humility, all the Word of God. Praise God that since the time of Daniel, Daniel's prophecy has been preserved for hundreds of years. It's incredible. We have the book of God here. Who needs really TV and video games when you have this kind of a story? If you've listened to the book of Daniel, the preaching of it, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's exciting. And we live in a day that is despising the Word of God and despising exact truth and despising doctrine and playing down knowledge and elevating experience. We live in a place where you can't even interpret a written text like Daniel anymore. You don't even have a shot. Not a shot. Can't interpret the Constitution anymore. Our hermeneutic in, in this world has been shot. Objective truth... It, Luke wrote exact truth in his book. Who needs it anymore? We have the exact truth. We are to pay attention to the words of this text and the prophecies of this book. Submit to the word of God. Ask questions. And as we do, the wise with insight will have understanding, will grow in the Word of God and find true wisdom. Our debates in eschatology ought to go right back to the book of God, the objective living revelation. There is a command to Daniel to conceal the book. He's special. He wrote the book. But there's a command to us, right, to stand upon that preserved and sealed revelation and, and to dig into it and not despise one-third of the Bible that is prophecy. Number two. Okay, we've talked about the command to conceal, but Daniel's still concerned. Go your way, Daniel. No, no, I still have questions, Daniel says. <laughs> I'm still concerned about how this will all be wrapped up, and that leads us to our second heading, the concern for completion in verses 5 through 12. We'll go quickly. I'm, not, I'm just going to hit the high points. We'll have to do more later. 
the concern for completion, verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, and one on this bank of the river and the other on that bank of the river. So, okay, everyone close your eyes, picture a river. Okay, there is an angel on the left-hand side of the bank. You see him? And there's an angel on the right-hand side of the bank. You see him? And then there's one above, hovering above the waters. Do you see him? Daniel doesn't just see two more angels. He sees someone else. Look at verse 6. And one said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river. The man dressed in linen refers back to Daniel chapter 10 and verse 5. Check it out. This is fun to turn back. Go to Daniel chapter 10 and find verse 5. Okay? Verse 5 of Daniel chapter 10. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man, look at that, dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Euphaz. His body also was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Stop there. You haven't even studied this book, and you know who it is. Don't you? That description sounds a whole lot like the description of Christ in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Indeed, the man dressed in linen, who hovers above the angels above the waters, is a pre-incarnate, before he took upon flesh, vision of the Son of God, of the Christ. He's there, he's elevated. There's an angel on his left, there's an angel on his right. He's hovering right there. Daniel doesn't ask the next question. There are concerns for completion of God's plan. Angelic concerns and human concerns. There's two questions that are asked. The first is asked by one of the angels standing on the bank, and the second will be asked by Daniel himself. They're asking the one who knows. One like a son of man. First question is how long? How long? Verses 5 through 7. How long, verse 5, how, how long will it be, whoops, verse 7 I mean, uh, how long will it be until the end of these wonders? I the wrong verse. Verse 6, in the middle, how long will it be? So one of the angels says to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters, how long will it be until the end of these wonders? That's verse 6. Verse 7 then, I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, as he raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven (laughs) and swore by him who lives forever. Okay, listen. Notice the double mention of the man dressed in linen. Notice the double mention that he was above the waters. Notice that he raised his right hand and his left towards heaven. Typically, if one would raise their right hand, when making an oath, but one, the man dressed in linen, he raises his right and left hands, the most solemn way to swear an oath of veracity, of truth, of solemnity, absolute truth. How many witnesses are there when the man dressed in linen testifies? There are two one on the left bank and one on the right bank of the river. There are two witnesses, two angels, because with two witnesses, something will be confirmed according to Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15. When the pre-incarnate Christ speaks, he takes an oath. He answers their question, how long for this to be completed, for this time of distress that you're speaking of in verse 1 to be over? And the answer, therefore, seems to me, listen, 
whatever your view of this text is, it seems to me to be very emphatic, spoken by the pre-incarnate Christ, double emphasized with a double raised oath. Ought we not? Eh, I don't get it. Pan millennial. The Christ seems to want us to listen to these words. When will this be over? Well, let's look at it. How long? So I heard the man dressed in linen, verse 7, who's above the waters, as he raised his right hand and his left towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever, here it is, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. I believe, and I've preached through this book, a time is one year, times two years, half a time, half a year. Adding those up, you guessed it, three and a half years. How many days is that? That's 1,260 days, according to a 30 days in a month Jewish calendar. Or 42 months, as you've said, heard in the book of Revelation. These times are confirmed in the book of Daniel. These times are repeated in the book of Revelation. The time of great distress will last three and a half years. It will not go on indefinitely. God is sovereign. This is when it will be completed. That's how long. Now, now listen. I understand that we all don't agree on what those three and a half years mean. I happen to take the view that's in our doctrinal statement. That should be a great comfort to you after studying. But here's my point, and I want you to hear it this morning. Does it seem to be a moot point that we can just ignore in our study of God's Word according to how Daniel frames it in this passage? I want you to at least say, no, this seems to be important. The scholar Miller says this, quotes, The sovereign Lord of the universe is promising directly and emphatically. I agree that it's emphatic. Directly and emphatically that the Antichrist horrors, the time of distress, in chapter 12, verse 1, perpetrated upon God's people and the whole world will last but a brief time, three and a half years. Saints of the tribulation period may count on the, the verity of this pledge, end quotes. That's how long it will last. But then he goes on to say, and that, that time, it, it will it'll only last until a second aspect is completed. Look down at the end of verse 7. And as soon as they finished shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed after three. When is it going to be done? After three and a half years, that is, after the shattering of the holy people. What a humbling statement from the words of the pre-incarnate Christ. The holy people Israel and how they will have come, to, they'll have to have come through that place to a place of repentance. As one scholar says so well, quotes, to accomplish this strange work of the crushing of the pride and self sufficiency of Israel. So she, as a last resort, will cry out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and will enter into her rest having received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins, according to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 2, in quotes. How long? Three and a half years. This great tribulation will end, and will end with rescue of this, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it will take this three and a half years to shatter the power of the holy people, to bring them to a place of humility, when they look upon him whom they pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for a son. Daniel's concerned about completion. He doesn't even, but he's concerned. He didn't ask the first question. The angel did. How long? Three and a half years until the shattering of the power of the holy people. Well, Daniel's still concerned. Daniel still doesn't understand. Raise your hand if you understand. Daniel's still concerned. Daniel still doesn't understand. What does he say? Verse 8, as for me, I like that, 
I heard but could not understand. Can I get an amen? So I said, my Lord, which I think is a nod then to the, um, to, as a confirmation calling him Lord, as he speaks to the one hovering above the water. My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? Now Daniel's looking not as much for the timing, but what's the purpose of it? I kind of get, but then the answer is given. So the second question is, what is the outcome? In verse 8 through 11. And Daniel asks it, but the, the man dressed in linen, hovering above the waters, answers with a little bit of a mild rebuke, but I don't think just an encouragement. Go your way, Daniel. Go your way. For these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. I don't understand. And I think the risen Christ is saying these, you're, just go your way, live faithfully, Finish the book. Let's, God will preserve it. Do your part. Seal it up. Keep it. The, tie, the people at the end will need it. You're, and you're not at the end, Daniel. Go your way. But not wanting to be rude and very loving to Daniel, he answers his question. He still does. Daniel, go your way. Okay, let me give you, let me give you more. And guess how he answers it? He answers it really the same way as he answered the first question, but the reverse order for emphasis. He's going to explain a little bit more about the three and a half years on the outsides, and then he's going to talk a little bit more of the shattering of the power of the holy people and tell us what that means. He's just going to answer the question and explain more of the purpose, which is what Daniel asked. What's the outcome of this? What's this for? Why? Sounds so horrible. People of God suffering what is the outcome well same same things that are mentioned and so look at it verse 10 here's his answer many will be purged purified and refined but the wicked will act wickedly and none of the wicked will understand but those who have insight will understand so Listen, the shattering of the power and pride of the people of Israel is now described more. The purpose of that is not their destruction. Why? Why? It's not. It's salvation. Many who will be purged, purified, and refined... Through, the, through that great tribulation, will come out on the other side, having been humbled, having repented, looking upon who, him whom they pierced. They were mourned for him as one mourns for an only son. The people of God will be purged, purified, and refined, as Zechariah said in chapter 13 and verse 8. Zechariah 13 and verse 8. It will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish. But the third will be left in it. Verse 9, and I will bring the third part through fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is my God. So the many of Daniel chapter 12 and verse 10, many will be purged. In verse 12, and verse 12 are, are those many Jews when, as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11, and so all Israel will be saved. This is a good outcome. What's the outcome? The outcome is salvation. There's judgment, but there's salvation. There's salvation through judgment. And the man in linen gives a bit more detail on the timing of the three and a half years. Verse 11. Now, he says, From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Stop there. Verse 11, the last thing he says um, there is... That abomination of desolation, that's at the midpoint of the tribulation. That's the great tribulation. 
and that's 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. That's 42 months. That's what it's going to be. He adds 30 days. I'm not sure why he adds 30 days, but I think 30 days are added. I think they're days, and I think 30 days are added probably for the discriminating judgment of the sheep and the goats recorded for us in Matthew chapter 25, but I can't be dogmatic about it at all. Well, Christ gives Daniel an answer to the why and the outcome of the purpose of these events. And Jesus really answers the same question, but he fills it out a little bit more. And I would say this, I agree with, when I study the book of Daniel, I agree with Miller who wrote, quotes, according to Daniel's prophecies, wickedness will not decrease in the last days but will escalate to a grand scale under the Antichrist, In quotes. Listen to what one theologian said, quotes, the prerequisite for the end is not the final fixing of our world's brokenness. Rather, it is the final breaking of the holy people's strength, In quotes. The book of Daniel, the whole tenor of it, I think, supports this conclusion. And yet Christ's answer to Daniel is one of what? Salvation and hope. Look at it in verse 11. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How what? How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. How happy are you if you wait and hope on the Lord till the end? How happy are you? How happy are you? Extra 30 days from the, from the, the end when Christ comes, probably 30 days for the discriminating judgments. Then he adds another 45 days. Very positive of probably setting up, I believe, I'm a premillennialist, I believe that when Christ comes, he sets up his kingdom upon this earth, and that is the extra time for the discriminating judgments and to set up the kingdom where Jesus Christ, the King of David, actually rules from the city of Jerusalem on this earth, from that city, and Christ will win in this history. This history which is quite ironic for some other eschatological views that we absolutely agree on that. I'll tell you what. Number one, we have, we're like Daniel. We have, to, we have to stand on the book like Daniel did, but we have, we're concerned too. We're concerned like Daniel was concerned. Let me just help us here. There's so much that's a mystery here. Perhaps my eschatology will be completely sorted out at the end. Maybe yours will, maybe all of ours will. We still want to study it. It's in the book of God. The nations rage. God's people suffer. But here's the message of Daniel. We all agree this. Listen, we need to remember that God has ordained the end. It will be completed. Am I right? It will be completed. Who will win? God will win. The time of suffering will be cut short. God will purify all of his people. Suffering will end. Salvation will come. Eternal blessedness will come, and it will come fully. We need to remember that in our debates. We need to remember that in our concerns and our questions. We need to remember that it is the Christ that we will question. It is the Christ and his word that will answer us. And that leads us to our third heading. And I think it's a good place for all of us to land. There's the command to conceal. There's the concern for completion. And then finally, there's the call from Christ. And it's wonderful. There's the pre-incarnate Christ hovering above the waters, speaking the truth to Daniel who's concerned. And now to all of us, since successfully the book was sealed up, to those of the end. Of course, the end has begun with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And is now culminating, I think, as the day draws near. 
We have the book of God. Study the book of God. Jesus Christ, the one hovering above the waters, who has the last word in the book of Daniel, because he is the one who will complete these prophecies. His death, burial, resurrection, and ongoing intercession, and his second coming will complete the prophecies. For Jesus is the great king of the final kingdom that will come. He is the great stone who will crush the kingdoms of this world, bringing deliverance in Daniel chapter 2. He is the fourth man in the fire, bringing deliverance in Daniel chapter 3. He was in the den of lions, shutting the mouth of lions, bringing deliverance. In Daniel chapter 6, so God the Son made visible to Daniel in the darkness of the lion's den. He is the man dressed in linen. The man dressed in linen in chapter 10, in chapter 12, the one who has the last word, the Christ, is the divine Son of Man. For Daniel wrote in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. It is that Christ who speaks the last word in the book of Daniel. It is Christ who speaks. It is this Christ who speaks the last word of the book of Revelation. For he is the very word of God. And this is the last word of the Christ. As for you, go your way. What does that mean? What are we to do? Well, he has the last word. He says this, Blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 335 days. But as for you, I don't get any of it. I'll tell you what. Here's what Jesus says. As for you, go your way to the end. Go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Go your way to the end. You say, what do I do with eschatology? If your eschatology doesn't make you witness, it's bad eschatology. If your eschatology doesn't give you hope, it's bad eschatology. This seems pretty optimistic to me. There's a call to faithfulness. Go your way to the end. There's a call for responsibility here. There's a, there's a call to faithfulness here. There's a call for insight and study of the word in this passage. There's a call to lead others in holiness here, which is the very definition of a believer in this passage. And in the book of Daniel, as you know, there's a call to pray. There's a call to not bow down. There's a call to trust the God who is a faithful. And there's a call to believe that we will enter into rest, that we will never experience the judgment of God. We will enter into rest. We will never experience the judgment of God for our condemnation is spent in the one who came into the fiery furnace, a picture of God's judgment. We went into the judgment of God. There was one with us who passed through the fire and our clothes were not even singed and we have come out and therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we in Christ, in the victorious one, will win in history. I get it. We have deep we don't understand we study it together but he will win in history and we are found in him and so we will enter into rest we will rise again for our allotted portion at the end of the age can you believe that we will be rewarded that we have an allotted portion have you earned your allotted portion how's it going earning your allotted portion. Well, we have entered into his rest and we will rise and we will be rewarded. There is an allotted portion for believers, as Peter writes 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, an inheritance is, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed on the last day. What is the message of Daniel? I'll tell you, here's the message of Daniel. The Lord God is absolutely sovereign over human affairs, and he will establish his messianic future forever kingdom. He will win in history mankind's kingdoms, the beastly things. They will succumb in history because God is sovereign in history, and you will survive in history. You will make it home to heaven, not by trusting in your own strength, but by resting in the finished work of one like of Son of Man. And if you rest in Him by faith alone, you will rest, you will rise, you will be rewarded. And so, go your way, dear brother and sister. Go your way. Increase in knowledge. Lead many to righteousness. Hope in God. This last month, I had to finish Last month, we lost a grandchild. Abby and Max lost their first child, Annalise Hope Kozak, at 11 and a half weeks. But let me tell you what the book of Daniel tells me. I will see her again. She will rise for her allotted portion at the end of the age. And the great message of the book of Daniel is this. The monstrous rule of the cursed nations, death and tragedy and all of that will not have the last word. The last word is this, and don't add to it and don't take away from it. The man clothed in linen says this, yes, I am coming quickly. And we say, amen, come Lord Jesus. Go check out the rest of the book of Daniel and see if these things are true.